The Hand of Brass Episode 19 The Long-Awaited Arrival Cromwell charged forth with Brannock and Diallo by his side, enemies flying this way and that from his powerful warhammer strikes. Cromwell truly was a brutal force to be reckoned with. With his shield, he bludgeoned one foe, while shattering the skull of another with his hammer. The Berenian forces held back the marauders invading the marketplace. Without this marketplace, the food supply would be completely cut off. But now, in exchange, they must fight a battle on two fronts, from the wall and the docks. Hold the marketplace, men! We must hold! On your left, Brannock! Brannock looked back to see an Alamendian swinging high to strike him down. Brannock swiftly thrust his blade into the man's ribs, <laughs> taking him down. Brannock looked to see who had given the warning, and saw Raven wielding her father's axe. Raven, welcome home. Courage coursed through their veins as the soldiers fought alongside their monarchy. Soon the Alamendians fell back from the marketplace, but their victory was short-lived. Skittering from the rooftops on all fours emerged great beasts, the Troglodyte. Fall back and regroup! The Troglodyte acted swiftly. It was as if they leapt from the very shadows. Orcs were being devoured left and right. Cromwell turned and saw an enormous troglodyte, easily twice his size. It brandished enormous claws as it made to strike Cromwell down. So, this is how it ends. Cromwell flourished his mighty hammer and swung to meet the giant troglodyte head on. But just as Cromwell was about to strike, from the rooftops a pair of orcs in highly polished armor leapt onto the beast. Their spears stabbed rapidly into the beast's brain, causing it to fall right at Cromwell's feet. Eat my spear! Dun, Take that, you dun, villain! Take that! Dun, hey, hey, this! Hey, dun, we'll that! Uh, hey, dun, we'll dun, 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 dun. What, Tim? It is very rude to interrupt when I'm trying to slay your beast. Ooh, I think we just saved the king! Oh! Hello, your highness! So nice to see you! Yeah. These creatures are rather nasty, I say. Oh! Quindiala, you're here too! Tim and I never got a chance to say. We are very sorry you almost got married to that pest of a man, Baron Duval. It was our first day, you see, and- Yes, yes, thank you both. Slay more like this, we will not only be even, but I'll make you knights as well. Do you hear that, Tim? We're gonna be knights. Come along, Tim. Let's get slaying. Cromwell, we have to fall back. These creatures are overwhelming us from all sides. Fall back to the castle! Duncan walked through ankle-deep water, wading his way through a cavern filled with steam. The steam was so thick he could barely see in front of him. He did not know exactly where he was going, but he trudged on. Duncan. Duncan turned a corner where the steam dissipated a bit, and he saw two figures. Coming closer, he made out that it was Aelis and Minus. Minus stood with his back to Aelis, holding a black scepter in his hand. Surrounding them were the bodies of ten beings. He could not see well enough through the steam to make out who they were. Minus, what have you done? I... Father said they were against us. I wanted to tell them that they were all wrong. That Father doesn't want to end things. He wants to rule in balance. They wouldn't see things the way I see them. The way Father sees it, you mean? These mortals down below need a ruler. The creatures Father created are meant to guide them. The pestilence keeps them docile and obedient. It is my destiny to rule them. A watcher such as yourself should be able to see this. Father is waiting. I must go. Can't let you go. Not now. Not after what you have done to our brothers and sisters. 
Aelus pulled a scepter of brass from his tunic. It extended into a spear. Minus's scepter responded in kind. Don't make me kill you, Aelus. Please. I don't want to lose you too. Aelus stayed at the ready. They stood eerily still, waiting for one to act before the other. Anguish broke across Minus's face as he struck first, thrusting his spear at Aelus's heart. Aelus sidestepped and parried Minus's weapon away. They both pulled back to strike. A loud clang as their spears struck one another. Aelus's brass spearhead broke off and fell into the cloud of steam below their feet. There was a pause in the fight. Aelus remained on the defensive, but Minus hesitated. His face was pained with doubt and agony. He looked at the black spear he held, and tears of regret streamed down his face. Taking in the bodies of his siblings that littered the ground, Minus cried out with a wail of sorrow. The steam suddenly consumed them. Duncan blinked, and all the steam and water had gone. Duncan was standing in a hut lined with animal furs. Ahead of him, sitting cross-legged, was Constantine. Duncan, we finally meet. At least in the mortal realm. I saw you in a vision when I first put on the brass hand. The great beyond has weaved our destinies as it would seem. Thread by thread it has brought us closer and closer. Please, see it. Duncan sat down cross-legged, mirroring Constantine. How have you done this for so many years? Seeing these visions of things that may come, how do you cope with this burden? I am honored to be asked a personal question. Kings and nobles have asked me what I see in their future, in terms of their fortunes and fates. But it has been a very long time since someone has asked me anything about myself. I am tired, Duncan. I have seen so very, very much. The burden that has been thrust upon me crushes my spirit every day with its weight. How does one sift through all these visions? Some have come true, while others show what may have happened had action not been taken. How do you decide which will happen and which will not? What is absolute in its destiny, and what is preventable? How do I defeat Malness? Truth to yourself and truth to him. You both live your own realities, but he is not meant for this one. The only way to defeat Malness is through his heart. His body is like that of stone, but his heart is soft and malleable. Thwart that, and we are brought salvation. I do not know if I have the strength to do this. When I had no destiny, I had all the time in the world. Now that I have purpose, I feel I don't have time to ready myself for what is to come. We all wish we had more time when time is all but gone, but that is how we thrive as mortals. The pressure the divine thrust upon us is what allows us to fulfill our destinies. Don't overthink it. Act in the moment. Act true to your senses. I wish you luck, Duncan. I have been privy to destinies not meant for mortal eyes, but not even I know how this would all end. Selene, Natalia, and Archmage Vendelin hastily walked down a set of spiraling stone steps. We have precious little time. If what you say is true, then by now Berenia will be well under siege. Then even with a small troop and the fastest horses, we are still too far to reach them in time. We draconians have our own ways, Natalia. They entered into a circular chamber, filled with hanging incense and patterns scrawled on the floor. Twenty robed mages all stood in a circle with their hands out and eyes closed. What is this? What non-mages don't know is that we have long since created a form of transportation by which we may travel long distances instantaneously. You're kidding, right? Nope. It requires an immense amount of power and several mages to execute, but it's very much possible. You're pretty lucky, Nat. 
You're probably the first non-mage to privy this ceremony. Selene, when we get there, I will need you at the top of your game. Every spell in your arsenal will be needed to channel into the flames of Adon. Archmage, I haven't been able to cast a spell since I first accidentally used the flames. I lost all control of myself, and it took everything in me not to immolate myself and my friends. I don't know if I can do it. Selene, there is a reason we took you into the Draconians. I saw near limitless potential in you when you first demonstrated the floating light spell. Not an easy spell, you know. Very few mages can maintain that and cast other spells simultaneously. I'm sure there were plenty others who You're could... a casting prodigy, Selene. I never told you this for fear it would go to your head that you would not reach your fullest potential. Have you not noticed how easily spells and incantations come to you? To be able to channel the scrolls of Adon is something not even I have done. And you have done it twice. I know you are scared. We all are. But you have this gift to turn the tide of this war. Selene nodded, unsure of what to say. Vendelin looked to his fellow mages. Draconians, for the first time since ages long passed by, we go to war. Have your foci ready? For you will need all your power at your disposal. The forces of Malnus are not to be taken lightly. Magical forces emanated from the circle of mages. Radiating from their bodies, beams of energy coalesced into the center. The brilliant light was blinding. As the light faded, they all found themselves on a small side road up to the Brennian Castle. At the gates, Cromwell, Brannock, Diala, and Raven fought hard alongside their soldiers, fending off an overwhelming horde of troglodyte. Suddenly, spells of lightning, flame, and force shot with such ferocity that the unsuspecting troglodyte stood no chance. Selene and Natalia joined the fray, unleashing their silver chains, slashing down monster after monster. Selene's heart raced. As much as she wanted to unleash her magics, she couldn't bring herself to do it. So much was at stake. She couldn't afford to lose control now. You made it! What happened in Elvidia? Do we have their allegiance? Peasant King, allow me to introduce you to my former teacher, Archmage Vendelin of the Draconians. It is a unique pleasure to meet you, Peasant King. The Draconians? The honor is all mine, I guarantee you. You truly are a Chancellor's daughter. With this new force, we can hold back the enemy at the docks. Raven, Natalia, and I will guide the mages down there. If we do not act fast, we will be overtaken and pincered between two fronts. Go! Adon be with you, Brannock. And you as well, old friend. It's time to kick some Alamendian ass. I couldn't agree more. Brannock, Raven, Natalia, and the Draconians fought their way through hordes of Alamendians. The Draconian spellslingers cutting a trail all the way to the docks. Brannock's heart sank as he looked to the waters. Fleets upon fleets of Elemendian ships were encroaching. He ordered what few troops he had left and a handful of mages to the already docked ships to overthrow them, but as his men charged, he felt cold. Very cold. His breath hung in the air. He looked to Raven and Natalia, their eyes wide and locked on the skies. Brannock looked up to see Tatiana, standing solidly on the air above them. Her aura of frost was slowly sweeping out across the city. They could all feel their bones and sinews stiffening as their bodies slowly locked up in the cold. The mages then unleashed hell on the Frost Witch, but the spells seemed to boil away before her. Tatiana looked down at the ants that dare touch her. With a wave, a rain of icy daggers shot down, slaying many draconians.
Hey there, thanks for listening. If you really enjoyed what you heard, leave a rate and review, and keep up to date with us on Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter at The Hand of Brass. And if you want to support us further, check out our Patreon. You can get exclusive access to bonus footage, behind the scenes, interviews, and more. Thanks again for listening.